0: Welcome to this week's episode of Tired and Thriving, a podcast that recognizes just how tired and exhausted we all are while discussing ways to still thrive. Whether it's something big like setting up a whole spa experience for yourself or something small like taking a sip of water throughout the day, we're here to help each other thrive. I'm your host, Samantha Gray, and this week's guest is Cassie Soliday. Cassie is a writer and cartoonist who works in the animation industry. She is also a fellow podcaster who leads the charge with the ink and paint folk podcast as well as starting out a new collaborative podcast called The Story Reaper. Thank you so much for being here with me, Cassie. Thanks for having me. It's so cool that you mentioned Story Reaper. <laughs> <laughs> I know I saw you like posting and I was like, "Ooh, let me um put that in." Yeah.
1: <laughs> I it's like my whole life right now. <laughs>
0: oh my gosh, that's amazing. It's so good. And the team is just killing it. Like so proud. <laughs> oh, can't wait to talk about it. Um is there anything I missed that you're currently working on or that you want to mention? Um hmm
1: I mean so I have like a scattered brain so I work on a lot of things all at once but not necessarily things that like are out in the world cuz like mm-hmm. my cartoons like I make a lot of comics but I don't post them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm working through posting those more um or thinking about posting them more. You know there's the part where you're thinking about it and then there's the part that you're doing and I'm somewhere in between. Um mm-hmm. so yeah.
0: I know. I was um, looking through your Instagram and I noticed that you posted a lot of com Like you did kind of like a daily comic. Mm-hmm. Um, and was that to get through the pandemic or?
1: No, that was 2017.
0: <laughs> and that was. Oh, okay. I did I it thought for I saw a year. Yeah,
1: but really? like I, I think I only posted about six months, and then um, it kind of fell off because like what I was doing was doing like really crappy like so, like scribbles and then redoing them nicer to post. And so mm. things got a little crazy at work, from what I remember. And also my dad <laughs> was really sick at the time, so like oh. I have a lot of uh, family illnesses that have gone on over the years that have like kind of derailed me so Mm -hmm. or derailed my productivity not derailed me like life continues but um yeah so sometimes you're thriving (laughs) and then being super productive and sometimes you have to like there's no other choice but to kind of like slow down you know
0: Yeah. yeah yeah um well we'll come back to your comics in a minute. But let's start with what got you interested in writing for animation and what was your path into getting your first job in the industry? So I feel like, okay, so when I, in
1: the 90s, like I love cartoons, I love cartoons the whole time, but like, um, <laughs> Night Before Christmas, when I saw that, I was like, oh, my God, like this, like it looks like one person, like their thumbprint over everything, like everything looked like it was filtered through the same like point of view and the same like vision. And I thought that was so cool that someone's like art style could like take over a whole feature, you know, and I knew then that I wanted to pursue art and I loved animation, but I hadn't connected the two. I was like five, like (laughs) I had no idea. And then when Mm -hmm. I saw Toy Story, I was like, holy cow like toys coming to life. I have toys in my room. And so that's when I was like, you know what, I like animation storytelling. So from around that point, I was like, I'm going to be a writer and I'm going to do art. And I hadn't connected them. So like a big thread through my life has been like art or writing. And, you know, I've gotten some bad advice in the past that I was like, you got to focus. And then I see all these amazing um, like storyboard artists who write and draw. And I'm like, like, why only them? Why not me? So like, you know I've I kind of like had conflict in my in my brain only in my brain <laughs> about this <laughs> but um, I went to so I, I'm from a small midwestern town off the ohio river And, um, my parents had gotten a divorce and I had moved with my mom to outside Chicago. So I went to school in Chicago for animation and specifically I wanted to do hand-drawn animation, even though the two Mm -hmm. movies that inspired me as a kid were not (laughs) (laughs) hand-drawn. And, um, you know, they were like, if you want to, you know, put food on the table and a roof over your head, you should get into CG. But I don't know. I the rendering times. I was like, I don't even know what to do do with myself. And then when it came out wrong, I was like, I don't have the patience for this. So apparently, I had the patience to draw, but not to sit at a computer and stare at it all day, which we kind (laughs) of do now, (laughs) like drawing straight (laughs) into the computer. But anyway, so I was like, animate. You know, hand drawn is it. Didn't really find a lot of work (laughs) after college in hand drawn. Um, But at the same time, when I was going to school, I was also um, studying improv and comedy at Chicago, Mm -hmm. um, their Second City and Annoyance Theaters. And a a lot of workshops that improvisers had around town, like it was my whole life (laughs) for like two whole years was just like improv and sketch comedy. And I I actually really miss it, Um, especially in Chicago, because like out here in L.A., it feels like it's another tool in the Mm -hmm. actor's tool belt and in chicago they just did it for the pure joy of it like obviously there were Aww. people who hoped to be on snl someday or like on the second city main stage which is like the only real paid opportunity um in town for for comedy but like uh <laughs> i feel like i'm digressing but like <laughs> i loved it so much and i was like i really like i don't I never thought I was funny and I had like crippling shyness. So like comedy really helped me get out of my comfort zone. And mm. like, I feel like I really, <sighs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Just no. Anyways. Yeah. So I was like, You're okay, like having well maybe nice memories right now. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's like, <laughs> like, maybe
1: I should move back to Chicago, you know, a decade later, be like the oldest person over there. No, there's plenty of older people in, <laughs> in comedy, but it's a lot of 20 year olds too. <laughs> um so anyways I was like how can I bridge comedy writing and animation and it was just like ah writing for animation like like pretty much all of animated projects have humor in them like usually they're comedy forward even you know yeah so I was like okay that's what I'm gonna go for and I ended up getting an internship at Nickelodeon and it was really great and I found out that um (laughs) I'm, I'm pretty intense as well <laughs> during this internship. <laughs> like, I think I weirded some people out. I was just like <laughs> bright eyed, bushy tailed in the worst way. <laughs> but I learned a lot and got to see like all the different roles. And like, they let me sit in the writer's room at one point, And that was really cool. And I also got to like uh, shadow the art director and saw like how he painted a painted a you know color card and i was like i don't (laughs) understand it's just i don't know it was just the coolest um but after the internship um i ended up working at disneyland down in anaheim and my Mm -hmm. thought my theory was like okay well it was expensive just to move out here (laughs) number one let me stay out here because i think that's going to be the best way to get into the industry instead of being all the way in the midwest and so i worked down there as a hostess in um Disney, uh, Disney California Adventure, and eventually mm-hmm. got to be a sketch artist and off the page, which was the the, the 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 delight of my life. I loved it so much, oh. and it was basically because like we got to design like sketches that we would like replicate for customers. So it was a lot of replication, and like um, we got teased for tracing all the time. But like, oh there's God. just too many people coming into like at like. And like no over 500 different drawings that we can do for someone so like yeah you gotta streamline that shit come on so um <laughs> but it was fun and it felt like i had this like very rare opportunity to kind of live out my hand-drawn animation <laughs> like like dream because it felt yeah. like i was just cleaning up uh, you know, the master's work, you know what I mean? Like a lot of people had already designed things ahead of me getting there. And like people at the, you know, animation feature studios, like we were just like recreating their work and dissecting. Cause you know, the unha- the underdrawing of like what we end up seeing on screen, like the foundations, like the shapes that make up the character design. I got to yeah. do that. <laughs> so it was really oh. cool. And I really loved it. And I, And of course, you know, get to roam around Disneyland after work every day was really fun too. (laughs) Wow. This answer is really winding to your question. No, I
0: love it. There's there's like, because it is, there's a lot of elements that go into like how you get in and I think there's a lot of misconception or even people are just like, they skip all of this to just be like, yeah, I I did, you know, something else for all these years and then I like just like got in or this person let me in or All these things but um it's so helpful to know uh these aspects where it's like hey you know what this aspect of um not being in the industry helped you with uh like like you said you got to fulfill like doing this part got to help you fulfill the hand-drawn thing or aspect that you've always wanted to do so Mm -hmm. um it's kind of like hey you may not hit exactly the goal you're at right now but if you're crossing something off your list like that's amazing in your journey yeah and it also um like i have
1: this itch for animation history like and i got to learn a lot Mm. because people because we would draw all this stuff in front of people and they could talk to us and so we got to share our love of animation and disney history with everyone and then like i feel like animation history is like very strongly tied to disney animation history in particular because they just had so many innovations along the way you know it's not the only thing obviously but like i feel like they influenced the industry so much in good ways and bad ways (laughs) but you know we always focused on the good when talking to to, when talking to guests so yeah it was cool but obviously i wanted to get out of there as as possible at the same time Mm -hmm. Uh, and I took workshops in Burbank and online to, like, improve my art, improve my writing. Again, I wasn't quite sure how I was going to bridge the two or if I was going to be able to, but I got an opportunity to go in as a production coordinator on Fresh Beat Band of Spies. And, like, interviewing for these things were so funny because you'd interview one person for a PA job, and they'd be like, I just don't – I think you have too much experience. Because I also had some PA gigs from the Midwest on, like – Music videos and commercials, uh, but also there'd be people like, "Oh, you don't have enough experience," <laughs> and so I'm like, "Oh, this is so confusing." But the person who thought I was overqualified for the PA uh, position, uh, she was such a doll and like recommended me to a friend who was producing on Fresh Beat uh, and needed a coordinator, so I got my opportunity that way, and it was really neat and it was kind of an interesting um, production because. All the boards in animation, like all of that was done in Canada, but we Mm -hmm. had the supervisors and the design team in Glendale. So that was my first time really seeing that because I thought, oh, storyboard artist jobs are safe. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like they'll continue to be in LA. And then I saw that I was like, oh, my gosh. But. Also, what I've learned is that like, you know, it's collaboration and there's like great artists all around the globe, too. So
0: there are there, there is talent out there. It's talented people, like you said, all around the world. And uh, if we can only figure out a way to like and, and, you know, obviously, and this even changes once the pandemic happened, because now people are like, well, we don't have to stay here. But, how can we keep having the same benefits and not be taken advantage of Definitely. that you know like can apply everywhere? Um, so it it's uh it's something we still need to figure out, but I think it's something worth like either talking about or even um, I don't know, yeah. Um, Yeah. No, I definitely agree with that. And, you know,
1: some I've thought about the, you know, we call them service studios because they're usually making like, you know, our shows and everything. But it's like, of course, they want to make their own shows, too. And some of them do like they balance between original content that they find networks to to put on and also like servicing other shows. But I've been uh, I've moderated a few events for women in animation and there's some really cool animation happening in other countries, you know, and like they should be able to create their own shows as well. But like also do we see it as Americans, you know? Like, does it broadcast on our services? Like, I feel like there's so much out there that we don't get to see, like we don't have access to. And I wish it was uh I wish there was just like one platform with all animation around the world that we could enjoy. Yeah. Ooh, well, <laughs>
0: I'm like we're putting it out there. Someone make it. <laughs> Jeff Bezos do something good for the world. Oh God, no, I wouldn't want to rely on Jeff Bezos. But we should get some. It's like the first um, millionaire that came to mind. <laughs> I feel so bad. <laughs> well, we're like, who in animation who is an exec or like um, an animation fan <laughs> who has hmm. the millions to like. Invest does, in this platform. Yeah, if does you're listening, you want animation have money. <laughs> yeah. Well, obviously they had to be from the 90s. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> um. Oh my gosh. Uh. But yeah, it's um. It's interesting out there. Oh, but okay. So you um, got this job that was uh half skeleton studio, half like in house, and it was such a small uh, team
1: on our side.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and and so that was like kind of you're coming back in and then staying into the um... oh PA job. It was a coordinator job, but it was oh, kind of like to
1: pick up the stuff that the other coordinators couldn't fit in because mm-hmm. they were just so busy. So it was kind yeah. of what you know you might consider a floater, except everyone was on every episode. We didn't like do the back and forth episode thing. Like the design supervisor had a had a PA and. Well, I guess they were a coordinator too, and then it was me. So just like three people on the support staff aside the assistant or the associate producer and the producer. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I haven't seen, I haven't been on a show that did it that way (laughs) since then, but yeah, it was very small and it really trucked away. Yeah. And then what led you into a writing job? Right, right. So after that I was a production coordinator on the 70 at Disney TV and they were very like you're so good at production you should stay in production. <laughs> and so like when the thing wrapped up I could have been a production coordinator on a, on a new show and like I really wanted to work with the team and they like the show turned out hilarious and I'm like sad <laughs> I didn't work on it but I'm also glad I took the risk and I went to another uh, show Puppy Dog Pals as a story coordinator. And, um, but I was very upfront, like, I want to be a writer. So if the script coordinator comes open, the position comes open, I I would love to be considered. And so they're like, okay, cool. So story coordinator, storyboard coordinator will be great for you because you'll get to be part of the story conversations. And I was like, yes, (laughs) that's very true. And for a while I thought it wasn't gonna happen. It was like, just like seven months in and I'm like, it's never gonna happen the script coordinator's going to stay here forever. <laughs> you know, those like very dramatic things. Like you, you're so close to something and then it feels so far away. I was so dramatic. Mm-hmm. I'm still very dramatic, but um, <laughs> luckily the script coordinator position came open. Uh, she had gotten promoted to staff writer, which was so great and so deserved. And so second season, I was a script coordinator for about a season and a half before getting the opportunity to be a staff writer and i had freelanced a couple scripts and uh, as a script coordinator i got to be in the room when they were like breaking stories and taking notes on everything so i learned a lot from the team and the team was so great um but that's how i got into
0: writing um well that's great uh what did you work on as an intern at Nickelodeon? oh fanboy and chum chum which
1: was like my number one oh. choice when they were like what are the shows that you'd like to intern on? I was like the Mighty Bee and Fanboy and Chum Chum, and they're like, well, the Mighty Bee isn't in production anymore, and so like, <laughs> so I was very lucky to get like my top in production choice, and it's such a goofy show, and I like I feel like it didn't get all the love it deserved because it's so weird. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I always um I feel like what is it the Cartoon Network lineup. When I think of Courage the Cowardly Dog and the stuff they had out at that time, I'm like, that's probably the weirdest I've seen on mainstream television. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. That was popular. That is a weird one. <laughs> yeah. I loved it, though. I, was like, I
1: love the yes. the memes
0: that have like returned <laughs> from the dead for that show. It, it's pretty <laughs> great. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, I feel like I've seen a couple and I was like, oh, I'm so glad people are talking about Courage again. But then it like yeah. – only happened a couple times and then it hasn't really showed up on my feet anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like they took so many more risks in the 90s. <laughs> mm-hmm, early 2000 and 90s for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that dang recession hit <laughs> and then everybody was like, no more risks. <laughs> <laughs> IP only. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oof, yeah. We won't even get into that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> In what way has your career made you thrive? And in what ways has it made you tired? Uh, Well, I've been tired the whole time, but I definitely get tired
1: the more experience I get and the more BS (laughs) that we have to deal with in the industry. And uh, I'm sure like from every side, there's BS to be dealt with.
0: Uh, But (laughs) what was the question again? I'm sorry. So you've mentioned how you've been tired. Um, How do you thrive from all of that? Hmm. Well, I think just getting
1: to be in the industry, like I look at it as like, uh, I'm so lucky to, to have done this. Like, I'm good. Like, I felt that way when I was in college. I'm like, I got my degree. And I got to freelance on a little thing. Oh, my God, I did it. I did my dream. Now, what else can I do? Because I feel like if I never get to do anything else, then it'll be like always like wanting, wanting more and not being satisfied. Um, so i try to be like man i've I've accomplished so much already and so that helps me thrive most of the time (laughs) (laughs) so it's like (laughs) i'm already like kicking ass because i've achieved everything i dreamed of and the other thing that like has been a little depressing though is that like you know my goal was to be a staff writer ah Awesome. I did it. And then you roll off the show and you're like, "Oh, I got to like kind of break in all over again." And so like yeah. every job I get, I'm like, "I feel like I'm still starting out at like year 1 here." And yes. so like that's that's the tiring part, I think. Because if, you know, if the system had worked where like studios were making shows and they were just consistently like rolling you onto a new project, hopefully, or like, at least within the same year, <laughs> like mm-hmm. I feel like it'd be less tiring. Um, but I don't know. Cause I don't know what, I don't know what that world would feel like, <laughs> you know, yeah. cause it doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, so I think that the times between, uh, like my writing gigs has been very helpful for development, of my own ideas. And so like, in a way, it's given me more reason to believe that I have a point of view and something to say and like, and things to create. And I do like having that time to be able to put things together, because even if I can't sell it as a show into development, or if it gets cut off, (laughs) when it's in development, I can still take it into some other format or go around and pitch it. And Mm -hmm. I think it just made me uh, really believe in myself as a creator. First and foremost, especially when, like, it's just, (laughs) this industry is so confusing because, like, they're like, we really want creators, uh, you know, creator-driven stuff. And you go pitch stuff, they're like, well, we're really focusing on IP right now. And it's like, (laughs) you're always hearing the opposite (laughs) after you do what is suggested. And so, uh, or, like, you know, I've been in the industry over about 10 years now. And then be like, oh, you don't have enough experience for what we're looking for. And it gets so confusing. And mm-hmm. so we can really, like, so one of the things that has helped me thrive lately is very surface level stoicism. <laughs> I, like, have a page up on my, uh, on my phone, on a web browser. It's just, like, the the nine rules of stoicism. And one of them is um, just, f- like, focus on only what you have control over. I'm mm-hmm. chopping this up, but... I don't do deep dive into it, but like that that one rule is like, yeah, what 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 can I control? I need to focus on that, because you'll never be able to control it anyone else, you know? Yeah. So, um but yeah. Yeah, that's
0: really creating hard. things. It's uh I mean, okay, what was it called again? Like
1: I don't even know In if I'm years. saying it right, is how much of an <laughs>
0: <laughs> amateur I well, am here. But I'll, I'll, stoicism. Um, I'll ask you about it later. Stoicism? Okay.
1: Yeah, stoicism? Stoicism? I don't know. Uh, but it's like uh, Marcus Aurelius kind of stuff. I was going to name other people, and I can't think of their names.
0: <laughs> I'm going to look it up real fast, actually. Uh, okay. Because I think that's like really useful to know. Um the nine rules
1: yeah something like that um oh twelve rules oh twelve rules (sighs) oh wait no this is just some guy's version of it
0: Okay, we'll, we'll talk about this later. <laughs> okay,
1: but kind of like uh, from what I remember is like accept what you can and cannot, accept your fate, accept, accept that you'll die someday, and it's all just like very blanket matter of fact stuff, and like it could be sad, but also if you just like know that it's going to happen, it's like, okay, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Everything else feels kind of small, you know, especially yeah. when you think about you're going to die someday. That one always gets me. I'm like- <laughs> Yeah, okay.
0: None of this really matters. <laughs> I feel a lot yeah. better actually, you know? I mean, that is like a common um what is it? Like advice or, you know, whenever people go to um older like people in their like 80s or, you know, somebody who is about to reach death um like naturally and they're like, "What do you wish you knew when you like uh, what advice do you give to younger people? And it's always like, I wish I didn't worry as much, <laughs> like, you know, um, about totally. life. I wish I just went for things or like wasn't as afraid. <laughs> and then here we are being like, I'm anxious. I have depression. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. <laughs> like- mm-hmm. Yeah. I like, I feel like
1: there's been, um, cause- I really do love the TikToks where they're like people are interviewing like their grandparents and stuff. And like, I remember this one where uh, the, I think it was a grandpa and they were like 90 years old. Like, what was the biggest surprise uh, in your life? And he's like, well, I thought I'd be dead by 70, and here I am at 90. And so, like, to be (laughs) (laughs) like getting older, be like, man, I'm going to kick the bucket soon. And then realize you have 20 more years to live. Like, I think about that sometime too. Um, And uh, I don't know in my opinion sometimes I'm like life is too long but (laughs) (laughs) also I want to use it to the fullest at the same time I don't know my depression works in very stupid ways is what I've (laughs) discovered
0: I and I think we're in like um I think millennials are in a weird predicament too of like yeah we don't have stable things and we're being told that we're spending our money frivolously. But like if we can't afford anything else, then why are we trying to be de- – why are we trying to run ourselves into the ground to like get something that keeps cu- going out of our reach? Like why don't we just use the money to enjoy life because that's what mm-hmm. we have right now. Because yeah. yeah. there's Because um, then you're watching your parents who are like, I'm not going to enjoy life until I'm like – Retired, or you know, which is like 65, 70, and then and then you're older, and you're like, Well, I'm healthier now, or like, you know, I feel like. 30s, 40s, and is when your body starts being like, I'm sad, or <laughs> like, take care of me better. <laughs> and, so and you're like, <laughs> Yeah, it, it was so crazy because, yeah, it is, it is young, but then at the same time, you're like, Well, I'm not in my 20s anymore, of like, I can just do whatever and not have to stretch and do yoga, and I'm fine. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. now we're like, Oh, now you actually have to stretch, take care of yourself. Eat healthy, like you can't just eat junk food all the time and Mm -hmm. expect to like (laughs) your body to be like, I'm A-Okay. Like I feel like we were able to do that or it was like easier to do earlier. And and like we can't do all nighters as much anymore and stuff that things that like in a sense we took for granted and then now we're like, okay, healthier lifestyle, but because of that. And because we couldn't even afford to do anything in our twenties, just trying to like make it and like make money, now that now we can be like, okay, now we want to travel, we want to do these things that you know, um, especially now that people aren't having families as much, just because it's like not affordable. So mm-hmm. you're just like, Well, what else? What else am I gonna do? <laughs> yeah like I
1: kind of miss the days when uh, you know women and and females in the animation were like I don't know if I can have a kid because the career is so consuming and now it's like I don't know if I can afford a kid, you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, the reasoning has changed, which is um which is insane. And and it also sucks too because um you're just like also America or like the US We all know that our healthcare system it should be universal, but it's not. And it's like the stuff I hear from my friends who do have kids or you know, even just um you get a hospital bill when you give birth, which is insane. (laughs) Like even when you have insurance or like when you're on like Cobra. What? Yeah, That's even if you have insurance, startling. you still get billed because having a baby apparently is so expensive to like – and, you, you know, you have overnights at the hospital and all this stuff and it's just – oh my gosh. And that on top of like having to get all the – uh, like everything for your child and then the toys and you're just like, what? <laughs> and then like yeah. possible paternity leave. It's like we should be having it. But then, yeah, I, it's tough.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, so most of my work this year has been
0: non-union. So, I,
1: like, I'm about to lose my my insurance through the union. So oh. I am pretty nervous about it. And, like, like, I may not have kids in the future, but my husband and I have talked about it and we, we're thinking of trying next year and so like now we're like oh no (laughs) we should have done it sooner (laughs) a little bit and it sucks that like that's even a thought like oh shucks we should have had a baby sooner because like (laughs) the future just got a lot harder realizing we're gonna lose
0: our insurance you know yeah um is your husband in animation or is he he is unfortunately
1: (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) i don't marry for the uh the jobs my spouse has but dang part of me wishes i did (laughs) no i'm just kidding yeah he's a cg modeler he works uh well he doesn't work anywhere right now he's in between too Mm -hmm. or what what is what do they call it like uh, omega hiatus i think is what alex quita said Um, oh my god really (laughs) yeah on your podcast (laughs) To crap, oh. I listened to their uh, <laughs> I was laughing
0: so much with her, so I like, It's such a good episode, stuff.
1: everyone go go listen to that episode. <laughs> oh
0: my gosh, I had to like keep um, when I was editing the episode, I kept having to pull down the volume because it would be like we're talking and then our laugh <laughs> like gets so high and loud. That's amazing, yeah. <laughs> Ah, uh, it's, yeah, it's that was a good such one. a lovely,
1: lovely episode. I love it so much, and she's amazing.
0: So she is, yeah. yeah. We love you, Alex. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. So, um, let's go into your podcasts. Okay. <laughs> How is it? Uh, when you're working, is it hard to handle your podcast? Do you have time to? manage it or? It is really hard. And it, it was a little easier when I was in production
1: because then I could just ask all the women that I was working with <laughs> to come on the podcast. And I got to learn more about my coworkers, which was really cool. But in going – cuz like a lot of the writing jobs now are freelance so i don't get to really interact with the with the crew and mm. even becoming a staff writer it got a little harder but mostly cuz i didn't want to get fired and i was like i got to put everything into this so i kind of just pushed everyone away to try to do my best which it was silly but i was like i got to do this it. this is my dream We've all done it. Yeah. yeah but now Few years into it, I'm like a lot more chill about it. Uh, but yeah, most of my jobs have been freelance, so I don't really get to see the crew. I get to see like my my story editor boss and maybe the script coordinator. So, um, mm. but yeah, when you're working, it's it's really tough and. I feel like it gives me a lot of inspiration and motivation to keep going, though, because then you get to hear about how everyone deals with the same issues that you're going through or, like, mm-hmm. you might hear about it before you go through it, like, years later. And so I really love going back to, like, old episodes and uh, listening to them. Like, not only do I hear how much I've grown, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I also get, you know, this capsule of a conversation I had with, like, a friend or, like, someone I admired, Um and I, I've, I'm just so grateful that I had the guts to make a podcast. Because, <laughs> like, especially when I first started it in 2015, like, it, I had my first paid job in animation. And uh, I was like, who wants to listen to a podcast by a production coordinator? That's what I told myself. Like, production people, mm-hmm. amazing. There's so many amazing people in production. Um, some who want to stay there and some who want to be creative. So, um, yeah. Where was I going with this? I'm sorry. And... Yeah, so it's hard. <laughs> I guess is what I'm yeah. saying. But well, how about you?
0: Is it hard for you? Um. Well, currently, a, I guess a little bit. I, I mean, I don't have a full time job right now, but I have um, small projects I'm working on. So it is starting to be like, oh my gosh, um, I have to do the podcast. I have to set up the interviews. I have to like, you know. Um, Do all these things, and then I have this other project that I have to focus on too. So it's, and then I'm like, well, what's this going to be like when I have a full time job? (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. I, yeah, my schedule, my posting schedule has really, um, struggled over the years. Like it's all over the place. Like maybe for a month, I'll be, uh, consistent, and then like six months later, (laughs) you get one, and then Mm -hmm. three months later, you get two. Like, so I've kind of accepted over the years that I'm not going to be like, I don't call myself a podcaster because like it's not consistent I'm not trying to make money off of it it's really just there for community service you know because yep. like we kind of like talk about things that are less pretty in the industry because like when I was coming up I was listening to all these animation podcasts and they were so great and I'm so grateful for them but they had a lack of you know female representation in in there so like and the same thing, like, in college, in my, like, history of animation class, they had, like, one or two women in there, and then, like, 20 mm-hmm. men. And so I was yeah. like, okay, well, I want to hear about, you know, women and non-binary folk actually making it happen. At the time that I started the show, I did not know about non-binary people. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I like I didn't understand non-binary, trans, queer stuff, like, growing up in kind of a um, homophobic area, I would say, <laughs> mm-hmm. like... I, like, I didn't understand it, you know. I didn't have any representation of what that meant or anything. So, coming out here and, like, making friends, I've learned a lot in, in education myself as well. So, that's why we, like, because it used to be called Inca Paint Girls, like, <laughs> off of a cheeky mm. comment in, like, a newspaper clipping, like, in the 60s or 70s about the Inca Paint Department because it was all all women. So, I thought it was cute <laughs> and it was cute for a <laughs> while until I was like, you know what? And I've always felt like a sham calling it that because i never really felt like a woman. And in learning about non-binary people, I was like, oh my God, like I think I'm non-binary and you know, it's, yeah, so I changed it and and widened the scope to non binary people. And That's I would completely uh, interview trans people as well. Like, we actually interviewed a white guy last year and did this cheeky oh. thing where it was like uh, a token man with talent. And we do one a year now. <laughs> and like, <laughs> I think it's hilarious. <laughs> so we oh might keep gosh. that going. Um, but yeah, like, there's so many people that don't get highlighted you know in these podcasts um that -hmm. are bigger like there's a lot of big animation podcasts and shows and stuff and yeah it just you keep seeing the same people on all of them and Mm -hmm. they have something to say sure but I want more perspectives you know
0: yeah definitely I mean I feel like that was part of why I created my podcast too it was like um inspiring to kind of be like uh and we know v so v was also an inspiration to be like wow there should be more people interviewing um, more of the industry that you know isn't just the most popular people that are like mm-hmm. highlighted um so and like you said because <laughs> a lot of them are male <laughs> yeah and uh yeah i i also just like I think what you said about how um, how you originally 2015 version I called it ink and paint girls, but through like education and you know talking to people, you were and even just learning about yourself, um, just getting that new perspective, you were able to. Because I think there's a tendency for some people to be like, "Well, I need to double down. That's just what this is." I, I shouldn't change it because that's what the audience or, you know, whatever reason they have, um, they, they think that they're so resistant to change or feel like the integrity stays with what the, the original idea is. And I think it's awesome that you shifted and were like, you know what, this can change this. Like, um, yeah, it doesn't need to be in paint girls anymore. This is for folks. So, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: Yeah. I sat on it for a couple months thinking about it. And when I did it, it just felt better. <laughs> like it felt more in line with what I wanted to make and put out into the world. And it opened up to the people that I really wanted to talk to as well, you know?
0: Oh, that's great. Uh, well, how did you – okay. So you created this when you were a production coordinator. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it was just a way for you to um, start seeing – and talk, you're like, I wanna see the representation that uh, I don't see out there. Which I think is amazing. Like, um, the fact that you have this, like, you made the content that you wanted to see out there. Mm-hmm. And, um, which is such an amazing, uh, you know, I-, I feel like a lot of people are just like, ah, oh, I wish I saw that more. but there's, they don't know a way to make it happen, and then you made it happen. Um yeah. <laughs> And when did you start working with women in animation? It was um, about – I feel like I've been doing the podcast for maybe about three or four
1: years, and, like, mm-hmm someone had reached out to have like lunch which sounds so hollywood
0: <laughs> and so i
1: i came just thinking i was going to meet with one person ended up meeting with four people and they were like board members and was oh asking gosh. me about the podcast and um it was pretty incredible opportunity because they were amazing women and like we still keep in touch one of them had uh went into she she had become a manager and she was my manager for a while she (laughs) went back to development and she's it's jenna you know jenna like she's so great oh my gosh yeah yeah. so it was i was so excited to work with her and it was really cool that like when we first met it was you know that that lunch you know um Mm -hmm. so yeah that started everything and i had gotten talking to tracy miller czarnecki who writes some of the art of books for animated movies included like uh one of my favorites how to trade your dragon she did the art of book for that and i'm just Mm -hmm. like oh my god i get to talk to this person and like (laughs) i get i have her email and i can email her and call her anytime i really want though i don't but i could and that's pretty cool
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And, you know, she heads the legacy part of WEA. And we kind of see the podcast as... um, I've always said it's like an archive, you know, because one day it will be the history of women in animation. So I kind of see it as just collecting all these stories. And I hope that people that come on the podcast, like, you know, years later, listen to it and see how much they've grown. But also Mm -hmm. that... um, Because there's been a few people... Uh, who, and I have the same mindset. It's like, who wants to hear from me? And so, like, kind of going through that, I feel like, and this this is my perspective. I feel like they get some confidence out of it. And, mm-hmm. you know, they see, like, it just reaffirms what they probably already believe, but haven't accepted yet. Um, I'm thinking of, like, one person in, in specific, and <laughs> specifically. <laughs> I hope everyone gets this out of it ultimately but yeah. yeah so I feel like I'm collecting history in the making
0: mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> what have you taken away from this experience and like interviewing and highlighting so many women um, non-binary and people of color in the industry oh wait what was the first part of it <laughs> it's like uh, so- what <laughs> have you taken away from this experience just interviewing all these people <clears throat> like, <clears throat> right Um, but
1: there's no right way to do it you know there's so many ways to achieve your dreams to break in and to keep going and that like everyone hits rough patches and you like you just keep going you know like sure Mm -hmm. sometimes there's pivots sometimes there's detours but like if you know what you want and you keep going for it like it's bound to happen you know and like we can't find uh, a, a common thread through a lot of the interviews is like you know, you are not your job, like your self worth can't be tied to your work. And I feel like for me, that's really hard. (laughs) Mm Because like, I feel like if I'm not being productive, or if I don't have a job, like if I roll off a show, um, I'm like, Oh, no, I'm unemployed. And I'm never going to work again. Like, am I even a writer anymore? But like, the thing is, like, even if you're not working, you are still. You are still like if I'm not writing on a show, I'm still a writer, you know, yeah. and like development and show creation. Like you do all that work. We well, do like most of the work ahead of time. Go pitch and hopefully you get into development. So technically, I'm always a writer. Right. Mm-hmm. My, my brain says I'm not. But like that's a struggle <laughs> for another day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, like you are still the thing you you love to do with or without money coming in so Mm
0: -hmm.
1: does that answer your question (laughs) were you looking for a different answer (laughs)
0: um i mean i think it went into a a different answer but um Mm. I, i it's still that's like much the same um uh and like knowing that's not your job i think is a huge one um because that's a lesson i feel that we all learned one hard way or the other um how uh it's uh because I feel like I've been coming up with that too the more I talk with people where I feel because and it's a hard line because this is our passion this is something we're very passionate about it's not a typical job um but ultimately at the end of the day all it is is a job like you are um Working for somebody, you're trying to meet a deadline. You're trying to like create for someone else's vision, and um, it's not worth killing yourself for. Um, which, again, I feel that studios have taken advantage of us for that. Being like, well, but this is like you should be thankful that you get to draw or you know be creative every day and obviously we learn such amazing skills from it. Like you get to learn how to streamline your writing. You get to learn how to like in a production, do storyboards or anime and learn from your colleagues and um, your friends and you make like-minded friends or, you know, or unlikely friends. And, but yeah, it's a job. <laughs> like yeah. it's really hard separating that out sometimes, but.
1: It totally is. Um, One thing, uh, I forget who said this, it wasn't on my podcast, it was on someone else's. And I haven't implemented it yet, but I think about it like every day since I heard it is like, um, you know, like as creatives, we have to kind of like brand ourselves without branding ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) And um, someone was like, yeah, I'm thinking of myself as my own creative director. And I was like, "Oh, that's interesting." Because you know, all these celebrities and like people in like ov- like higher up in Hollywood, right? They have a whole team pushing them out into the world, right? Yeah. Even like, um, you know, the superstars in animation, they have, they have agents, they have publicists, you know, they have a whole team. In some aspects, like I'm sure not everybody, but like if they have a movie coming out, they definitely do, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and um. I feel like it's worth um, thinking about yourself in, like, an objective way. Because, like, I know one thing that holds me back a lot is subjectivity of myself. I'm like, no one expects that from me, so I can't do that. But, like, no one cares about me. Like, no one is thinking about me. And, like, I could go and do anything I wanted as long as it didn't hurt anyone, right? But, like, yeah. if you look at yourself as, a like, you are the creative director of your own path, then it's like, oh, you're very good at this, maybe this is something that you could do for the meantime while you look for your next job. So like, mm. yeah, there's something in it. Haven't
0: done it myself, but I will report <laughs> back later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll circle back to it. <laughs> we'll have another yeah. interview. Um, I actually, there was something you said that I wanted to um, go back on and I hate when, you know, you just like forget it. <clears throat> totally. I do this all the time. Oh. <laughs> Um, I just remembered. So do you run the podcast yourself or do you do or do you have a team like anyone else helping out? It's pretty much just me.
1: Over the years, I've like, like I, I want someone to help me with, <laughs> you know, and mm. but it's mostly me. Uh, I do have a couple editors like when they have time, they'll take on like editing duties because like I love having the conversations, <laughs> like setting them up and editing them is like the <laughs> like the least of my favorite. <laughs> but... um. <laughs> but yeah so uh Mae murphy edits uh some of the episodes and so does daniel Wichorik. and it really is just like like i have a little bit of money from wea to kind of give them a stipend which is like you know so gracious and so like i get to pay them something it's definitely not <laughs> enough you know because editing is a lot of work um but mm-hmm. luckily you know it look like kind of luckily interview podcasts are uh, way easier than other types, you know, because it's pretty straight <laughs> ahead. Um, yeah. But yeah, so they they're very consistent in helping me. Uh, some like I probably edit still like half or a little less than half of the episodes. Mm. And um, in the past couple years, Kira Rodriguez has been co-hosting some episodes or hosting on her own. Uh, I met her through Rise Up Animation. Uh, I was a oh, mentor nice. with them, and she, um, her and Nate um carvalho did this like saturday a ask me anything with professionals so like i they asked me on once and i was like oh my gosh they like ask really good questions and i feel like i've been in the industry for about 10 years now and i feel like some of my questions are getting stale (laughs) and i'm like Mm. i'm not asking like the because like my target audience is about um junior in college to like a couple years working in the industry that could be like a short amount of time or like a long amount of time depending on you know the listener's journey But um, I feel like the questions that I really want to know now are different. But Mm -hmm. so I'm kind of struggling with that at the moment. But they have, uh, they're earlier in their career. So I feel like they ask better questions than I do. So it's been really great to have them. Um, But I'm at kind of at this point where I'm like, should I evolve the podcast because of my personal interests? Or should I like try to pass on the podcast? to someone else who is closer to the, to the area of the audience. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I'm probably overthinking it to be honest, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, some of the thoughts that go through my head about it.
0: It's still good to think. I think it's like great that you're even considering it. Um, like you said, uh, I, I you're just like, I'm thinking about what's best for this podcast. And I'm trying to think about um, what the evolution is going to be. And, I think that's really like I think those are great things to think about. Um anyway, but talking about evolving, I think you evolved by starting your second podcast, The Story Reaper. Yeah. Um what can you tell me about it? How did that start? Um so, I was mentoring with Wea and
1: I've done it for a couple of years now, but my last cohort they kept asking me after the circle wrapped about um podcasts. <laughs> I was like, do you guys want to make one? And they're like, yes. <laughs> and I definitely uh, didn't expect how hard this was going to be. um, Making a, like a, like an anthology storytelling podcast narrative. Like it's, much harder to edit than like an interview podcast you got sound effects you got music you got all this stuff and um the group is incredible like uh, our director candace hooter they like cast all of these characters and directed them on like online over the web and we have so many amazing actors and like the writers like really nailed their stories it's been really incredible so basically story reaper (laughs) like i should describe what this is um it's a family-friendly uh horror fantasy anthology and um basically every episode is a different story they're not connected except for uh the story reaper and their apprentice who intros the story and outros the story so they go around the world looking for stories and collecting them and so you kind of get a little bit uh, like a hint of their own story while they're like collecting these individual stories and like we have like i'm gonna cry (laughs) like i'm so proud of the writers and like they really wanted to do something spooky i'm not really even sure why but most of their pitches were spooky so i was like okay (laughs) we'll lean into the horror a little bit here and also in (laughs) why like kids content you don't really see a lot of horror and like they're very mm-hmm. they're pretty tame stories except for a few that get kind of dark and you're like whoa <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah we have one episode out so far splat written by chris burke and anise overton it's um it's really fun and we ha- will have more we wanted to release every other week but it's gonna be every month
0: because it's been a really
1: <laughs> it's been very heavy <laughs> heavy project
0: that we didn't expect how many episodes are gonna be released about eight eight like not about eight it's gonna be eight (laughs) (laughs) you never know you could be listening to it later and you're like oh actually this could be split into two episodes or something i don't know (laughs) yeah maybe (laughs) (laughs) we'll see yeah Uh, but that's super exciting and i love that it's such a collaborative process with um your mentees so uh what a cool way to get them to not only get their story out but to show them a new skill as well
1: yeah and like um none of them have like any writing credits and like one thing we talked about in the circle and this is like such a bummer thing like no one wants to read your writing (laughs) samples, which like I endure as well so I was just trying to be real I hope I didn't like you know kill anyone's like vibe but like (laughs) um it's good to have your samples obviously but like you know I think writing for podcasts is really fun and like someone could listen to it on their commute to work not not that everyone has commutes anymore but like now you have two ways of getting someone to read your writing you know mm-hmm. so that was that was the thought process behind just like working with a group of very awesome people
0: yeah ooh, love it um well is there anything recently or in the past couple years that Uh, has helped you thrive and feel passionate and uh, reinvigorated? Hmm. I feel like, I mean, the pandemic was so rough,
1: you know. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I had a project in development and, like, I finally felt like I had found a flow state when I was working on it, and it has to do with music. So I've been, like, making playlists for, like, every project that I'm, like, writing or developing and, like, I don't know. I have this obsessive thing where I can listen to like one song for like 12 hours and not be sick mm-hmm. of it. It's kind of nuts. So like my uh Spotify rap this year is like really weird. <laughs> um <laughs> but anyway, so I've been making playlists for all the projects, and that's been I don't know, it really helps me like really get into the world and into the themes that I'm writing about, and that's been really fun. And I think you know being able to work on something and lose myself in it has been like just the greatest and it, i can't achieve it all the time but when mm-hmm. i can it's just like uh just feeling the like affirmation that like i am doing what i'm meant to do you know and like that's oh, just yeah. like the best feeling and so i was i'm in the middle of reading this book by rick rubin like the the creativity book i forgot <gasps> oh, the name yeah. i am
0: been and, like, to read it <laughs>
1: I I really like it. I understand that, like, it's definitely a privileged perspective in some areas. You're like, "Ah, okay. But there was this one quote in there. It was something about, let's see if I have the book. Okay, well, it was something about, like, you know, it's not always just about being creative. It's setting up your environment to be able to be creative. When you're when you want to. And I thought that was really Mm. cool. And I can be very messy. (laughs) So like, I'm like, how do I make it easy for me to go into flow state? And, you know, clean my desk, probably have a blanket nearby because it's getting cold, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. simple things like that. So not just being like, I got to be productive right now. It's like, how can I be the most comfortable to be creative and it's not about productivity you know so like reading I find to be a creative act now too because it you know getting to see getting to be in other people's worlds and getting to see the creative decisions they made or like even fall beyond critiquing their work and actually fall into the story and forget that you're reading you know and this is just a place that exists and these are characters living their life and I think it's so cool to be able to like shut down my writer brain and just Mm -hmm. live another life. And I think that's the best thing about writing, you know, in creating is that like like, you know, in life, you make these decisions and you go down a path. And sure you can pivot, but then that all of a sudden becomes your path. And like reading and being in these worlds, you get to live all these other lives, you know?
0: Yeah. Mm. Um, in the vein of funsies, is there a random animal fact you can tell me? <laughs> so red pandas
1: are sleepy little guys and they so they live in this forest in nepal and they actually have forest guardians who like check in on them because they're endangered species and they just make sure they're all like good you know do you need a cup of water do you need you need some food (laughs) like they just take care of them and it's like the sweetest thing and i'm like should i move to nepal and be a forest guardian or should i make a show about it like i don't know yet like how incredible is that? It's like the sweetest.
0: <laughs> that is super sweet. I really love learning that. That uh that's a uh, that's beautiful. <laughs> They're just like, "Hi, just just checking in, making sure you guys are okay. Do you have everything yeah. you need?" All right. Cool. Like That's how I pictured the,
1: the conversation going.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they like have a little blanket. They're like, "Are you cool? Do you need this anybody?" Yeah. Like looking around. They're all just yeah. like passed out. They're like, "Okay. Everybody's oh. good." red pandas are the
1: cutest there was one christmas like like all my gifts were like little tiny paintings of red pandas like and at the end of like like everyone opened up their gifts and everyone's holding like (laughs) little paintings of red pandas they're like you you really went through a phase this year i'm like this isn't a phase this is for life
0: (laughs) oh so cute um (laughs) Well, okay, so as part of the show, I'd like to pull out a tarot card for the episode. Oh, yes, please. Who knows? I just got into tarot uh, <laughs> last year. I'm still such a baby at it, but I'm, like, obsessed. Oh, it's so fun. Um, but, yes, yeah, so maybe you'll need to hear it. Maybe you'll need it for, like, a future – I don't know. Just keep it in your back pocket. Yes. Um, yeah, tarot uh, is so – yeah, I'll say addicting a little bit. <laughs> like mm-hmm. You get really, really into it. But I, I'm glad where I've gone with my journey into it. Um, and then it's, like, nice when you can, like, actually help other people. I think that one's uh, – that's always fun. Um, yeah. Okay. So I'm going to be shuffling, and then uh, you just tell me when to stop, and we'll see what card pops out on okay. top. Okay. Stop. Ooh, so we have the Four of Pentacles. Hmm. Uh, if that you want to describe it, it's really for
1: cool. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, so this person is adorned with white uh, polyester and gold and armor, and they're holding up a golden thing, and they have like fabric swaying in the wind. In a physic way, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> but it looks like they're in a gladiator kind of arena as well. Uh-huh. And they have a purple shadow on the on the brick floor. Nice. Is that what you meant? Like literal?
0: <laughs> Describe yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, <Yeah>. okay. <laughs> um, how do you feel about it?
1: because hmm. I don't like know what four pentacles get. I always have to like google with the meaning of all the cards right after I pulled them um, so I mean lifting up a golden thing that's also adorning their body like because it looked like they're probably from the same like you know uh, QC QSV like collection QVC collection <laughs> not QSV um, so let's see you have what you need so embrace it and hold it up for everyone to see
0: Ooh. So what's uh, the actual
1: meaning, though?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so the description says, true power does not come from material possessions, but from the values locked in our heart. And um, like you said, because I like hearing what people, people's interpretations are, or like, you know, when you describe the card, it's different what you see versus what I see. And obviously through the computer screen, it's going to be a little different too. (laughs) Yeah. But um, I thought that was interesting that you said she looked like in battle or um, gladiator-esque when like from what I can, the details that I can see, she is dancing in a courtyard or like in a stadium um, with her pentacles. The fact that you said she has everything she needs and so she's like kind of showing it off i think is uh super relevant to this reading um it does feel like you have all your pieces or especially with like how many projects that you do that you have so many uh interests and um not like you don't have your eggs all in one basket you have so many things you're working on that I think create fulfillment that you are able to um, show it off and be like, hey, look at this. Look at these projects I'm working on. Look at um, everything I'm doing. And yeah, I think I think it's a good one. Uh, typically the, what is it? The description to me Um I guess the description does come into play because uh, your values, everything that you've talked about on this podcast does show that you want like the best for not only yourself but for everybody where you made ink and paint folks to be uplifting for people who don't usually get a, um, a voice out there And you also evolved it from not being girls, but to being folks and to be inclusive, because then you're like, that's another voice that doesn't have, you know, as much power out there. So I really see this woman dancing. Actually, it looks like you're lifting up. So, um, yeah, continue being a champion uh values and for like other people's voices. Cause then you're also helping mentees get a voice. So I think uh you're doing great things.
1: <laughs> oh, thanks. I love that rating way better than my very objective one. <laughs> I'm like
0: it's it a shadow it on time. the floor. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I did just ask for like a literal description. So I wasn't like, yeah. read this for me. What? Like, yeah, anyway. Um, well, thank you so much, Cassie, for being here and talking with me. Is there anything you want to promote about yourself? And is there somewhere you want people to find you?
1: Hmm. Well, you can find me at my website, cassassi.com C-A-S-S. Wait. C-A-S-S-S. Wait. C A S A S S Y dot com. And I'm on social media print, primarily. And ins- you know what? I don't post on Instagram that much. I'm going to. I've made it a point within the next month to post at least one comic. So Cassie Soliday on Instagram. I'm still on Twitter. I'm not going to call it X. And um, <laughs> I'm not sure where else I'll. I'll Like, I'm just, I'm kind of waiting to see what the next social media place where, like, at least most of the animation community goes to. uh, Mm. I'm just waiting. I'm like, uh, it's, I don't know, exhausting to keep up with everyone. Yeah. But I want to know all the cool things everyone's doing at the same time. Maybe I just sign up for all of them. Anyway, it'll probably be Cassie Soliday. Unless it's the, there's, like, uh, someone in Texas who is slightly younger and, uh, if she gets the handle first, then
0: I'll probably be Kasassi Comics, <laughs> one or the other. <laughs> yeah, um, I was going to say, uh, what if you're the one that makes the like, not only do you make the um, animation streaming channel, but then the global animation streaming channel, but then you connect that to make the animation platform that we all congregate at
1: Cassie. Oh my god, I wish I was smart enough or had the resources cuz it's not always about being smart, it's about having resources.
0: That's true. The resources um, is important. I would love but you're getting that.
1: There. Yeah, <laughs> one day someone will be like you you have exactly what we're looking for. Just enough experience, just enough talent, just enough smarts and just enough humility. And I look forward to it.
0: <laughs> um, Is there anything else uh, in terms of where people can find your work or?
1: Oh, just on that website, uh, casassi.com. Okay. Sounds um,
0: good.
1: Yeah. Yay. Uh, Thank you for well, having me on the podcast. This has been really fun. I was very nervous, so probably <laughs> rambled a bit. <laughs>
0: but thanks nah, for doing great. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, This was – I was so happy to have you on my podcast. So, you know, just we got to keep lifting each other up. That's what we're yeah. doing. Yeah.
1: And I'm <laughs> excited for you to come on my podcast too. So really thrilled and excited for that.
0: Yes. I know. Um, Sadly, we are at the end. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoy this podcast, please follow and subscribe. You can also follow Tired and Thriving on Instagram at Tired and Thriving, all one word. You can email if you want to reach out, give feedback, or let me know maybe how you've been uniquely thriving at Tiredandthriving at gmail.com. Thank you again, and I hope you all have a thriving week. See you next time.